Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When I become a follower of Christ, Paul says to Timothy, you man of God, you're going to have to do these three things. Number one, flee. I'm going to have to run away. I'm going to have to escape. I'm going to have to separate or I'm going to have to distance myself. There's some things in life, once I become this follower of Christ, if I'm going to really be real, I'm going to have to distance myself from stuff, old patterns, old things. But sometimes I'm just going to have to run from temptation, literally run, flee from it. Becoming a mature disciple of Christ is hard work. Learning to overcome sinful habits, thought patterns, and behavior is work that goes on all the time. Cooperating with the Holy Spirit to change you from the inside out is not for cowards. Pastor Mark will be teaching about allowing the Holy Spirit to influence you in every area of your life. You'll hear that this influence is both necessary and beneficial. You'll find out about the obstacles and enemies that you have that will try to keep you from progressing in your Christian walk. And you'll learn about the new source of power to win that's available to you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Timothy chapter 6 as he begins his message, Under His Influence, Really. We're going to be in three passages today. First Timothy is about two-thirds of the way through the New Testament. Then we're going to be in the book of Acts and then the book of Titus. That's right after First Timothy. First one's going to be First Timothy chapter 6, if you kind of want to find your way there. Two-thirds of the way through the New Testament. A man walked out on the street. And he saw a taxi going by, and he he hailed it and got into it. And the cabbie said, wow, you've got really good timing. You're just like Frank. And the passenger who got in said, Frank who? The cabbie said, Frank Feldman. He's a guy in life. He did everything right all the time. And the passenger said, nah. Nobody does everything right. Nobody's that good. And the cabbie said, oh, you don't know Frank Feldman. He was perfect. He was a terrific athlete. He was amazing at tennis. He could play golf with any pro. He sang like an opera baritone. He danced like a Broadway star. You should have heard him play the piano. He's unbelievable. Passenger, well, wow, this guy is somebody really special. Cabbie says, well, that's not enough. He said, there's more. He had a memory like a computer. He remembered everybody's birthday perfectly. He knew how to treat women and make them feel really good. 
In the home, he could fix everything. He never made a mistake. No one could ever measure up to this Frank Feldman. And passenger goes, wow, what an amazing guy. How did you meet Frank Feldman? The cabbie said, well, I never really met Frank. He died, but I married his widow. Those of you who've been married, in that situation, you know exactly what I'm saying. Now, to be honest, wouldn't it be nice if that story was really true? Wouldn't it be amazing if Frank Feldman was really perfect? But we know that there are no perfect people. You're not and I'm not. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. But God does expect us to be real. In our Bible study today, we're going to see a lot of people who call themselves Christ followers. But they weren't real. They weren't really under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You see, as we watch our world, we're used to people not being Real. Let me give you a name of somebody that fits it perfect. David Letterman. Would you say when David's in front of the TV audience and he's giving his apologies to all his affairs, do you believe he's real? Do you believe it's staged just perfect? And do you know now? That after a guy gets up and he, he says, my wife's really hurting. And his next statement is, I'm going to go on Oprah and really cry. Is he really repentant? And yet we live in a strange world. Ever since this happened, more people are watching him than ever before. But see, God is not interested in that kind of an individual. He wants you and me to simply be real. A moment ago, you shook hands with someone. Were they real? See, you don't know. But God knows. And in our story today, we're going to see that there's only one thing that really matters. It's simply the first thing you want to write. God has a goal for you and he has a goal for me. Even if you're an unbeliever, he has this goal. He wants us to really be under his influence. Not to say we are and not to write that we are, not to act like we are, but really be under his influence. You see, the message we have today and the power of God would change this town called Ephesus. It would change unbelievers It would change new believers, and it would change even Christ followers. A few years ago, we did a Footsteps of Paul tour. And of course, Ephesus today is modern Turkey. Paul was there on his third missionary journey. He'd been there two years, and he was teaching Jews, and he was teaching Gentiles. This is an amazing city because it was the center of, for black magic 
and other occult practices. The people, well, they had been deceived by Satan into thinking that if if there was magical things said over them in their lives, that that would bring wealth and happiness and success in every area. So superstition and sorcery were very commonplace. This was a happening city, had great impact. Of course, that's why Paul was there. And what did Paul bring to this demonic city? He brought one thing, the real gospel. He didn't bring religion. He brought the real good news of Jesus Christ. Now, as I said, this city was immersed in everything. Deanna, great, great goddess, multi-breasted goddess, the goddess of sex. It ruled that city. But the simple, real gospel would change everything. You're going to see how that works. Well, before we get there, I want you to turn to 1 Timothy, where you have chapter 6, verse 11. And I want you to see what a real man of God and a real woman of God looks like. How do we get that way? How do we get real? How do we get really under his influence? And how do we stay under his influence? Paul is writing to Timothy, who later would be the pastor in Ephesus. This happens later. And Paul writes to his little young protege and he says this, but Timothy, you man of God, that word man of God in in original language is people. So it would be a man of God or a woman of God. He says, Timothy, flee from all this, all the things that are ungodly. And Timothy, then instead of fleeing, you pursue these things, get real. Righteousness, godliness, and faith, and love, and endurance, and gentleness. And by the way, Timothy, while you're getting real, you're going to have to number, verse 12, fight the good fight of the faith. In other words, it's going to be a battle. So the first thing I want to remind you about today, and sometimes we don't do this enough in church, and I just want to remind you today. First thing, the second thing I ask you to write down is this. Every Christ follower is a man and woman of God. I want to congratulate you. You're a man and a woman of God. You see, the minute you accepted Jesus Christ, we forget that God came to live in us. Now, you're not perfect, far from it, and neither am I. But you're a man of God. And as you became that, it was all by grace that God did it. But in this process... After God's grace of sealing you, and now you're headed for heaven, sometimes we don't think that we're really godly. But you are. I'm proud of you. You're a man, and you're a woman of God. And what God is doing is he's in this process of getting you and I real. It's lifelong. And this process is to getting me to think and act and be like Jesus. And so that's going to remind us that To be that, here's a word you're going to hear a lot today. We're going to have to be different. Say it with me. Different. Not weird. Different. Say it with me. Different. Different than what? Well, different than the world system we live in. You see, we live in a world system operated by Satan. And he has a goal for us. He doesn't want us to be real. 
He wants us to play at this thing called Christianity. And so you're going to see that Satan is very real. And you're going to see that God gave us, and you just read it in those verses, three verbs to get us real and to keep us real. When I become a follower of Christ, Paul says to Timothy, you man of God, you're going to have to do these three things. Number one, flee. I'm going to have to run away. I'm going to have to escape. I'm going to have to separate or I'm going to have to distance myself. There's some things in life, once I become this follower of Christ, if I'm going to really be real, I'm going to have to distance myself from stuff, old patterns, old things. But sometimes I'm just going to have to run from temptation, literally run, flee from it. We talked about Joseph, young man, love God. He gets in a situation in Potiphar's house, his boss in Egypt, Joseph is second man. He's in this house and the Potiphar's wife comes to him and says, lay with me, go to bed with me. Do you know how Timothy stayed real? He ran from the house. Smart guy. He ran. Sometimes we have to distance ourselves from situations and people and whatever. But it's not just distancing ourselves. Notice Paul said to Timothy, not only flee, but you have to pursue. I run from something, but I run to something else. Pursue. To follow after it means to press toward. To be a follower of God. See, when I come to Christ, I just can't ask God to forgive me of my sins. And I pursue nothing. Then you're not real. Remember what Jesus said. Come and follow me. Walk the same road. Well, as I do that, as I'm getting real, following, the third word, Paul says to Timothy, is fight. The word in the original for English is the last thing here. It's called agonize. Everybody in this room knows that if you want to grow as a Christian, if you want to be Christ-like, Everybody in Vera and Sebastian knows the same thing. It's a fight, isn't it? Because I have that old nature in me that says, nah, just kind of go with the easy stuff. Don't, you know, you've been to church once this month. Relax. You can go next month. It's okay. We all know what all that kind of stuff is about. And so this word contend or strive for the faith is something that you and I do our whole lives. As we come to a verse that I think is pregnant with so many possibilities. It's in a Phillips translation, but it says this. Do not let the world around you, Satan's influences, squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold you, notice, remold your minds from within. The battle is always in our mind. Satan is always trying to squeeze me to look like the unbeliever, to live like the unbeliever, to live no different than the unbeliever. And the word squeeze means it doesn't happen like this. It happens like this. Notice, so that you may prove in practice that you might be real, that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, moves you toward the goal Of true maturity. You see, we're in a battle. Satan's goal is to squeeze us into his way of living. What does that look like? It means going after power, possessions, position, and pleasure. I'm to be different, though, 
in my lifestyle, my words, my action, different in our marriages, different even how I handle money. So if I'm going to be a real follower of Christ, if I'm going to really be under his influence, next thing to write is this. I must do just like Paul said to Timothy. I have to flee. I have to pursue. And I have to always fight for it. Because I have an enemy. It's the kingdom of God against the kingdom of Satan. I have a real enemy. His name is Satan. Now turn with me to Acts 19. Acts 19. Paul, as I said, has been there two years. He's teaching. And God begins to do amazing things because Paul is living under the influence of the Spirit. Paul is real. He's not perfect. But he's real. Go down to verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured. And look at this. And the evil spirits left him. Anytime you're in a city, especially with lots of occult, the evil spirits rule there. Demons ruled there. So here's Paul. And Paul is a wonderful minister, but he works for a living. He makes tents. So he has sweatbands. He has aprons. And they're filled with his sweat. Well, he's so powerful. When people see him doing amazing miracles, and by the way, look at verse 11. What's the first word in verse 11? Hello? It's not Paul, it's God. So who did the real miracle? God. Don't ever get yourself into man does this. He was just an agent. And what kind of miracles was he doing? Extraordinary. I mean, I go for just a miracle. How about you? This is an extraordinary miracle. Something that rarely ever happened. So here's what happened. As Paul was used and people were coming to Christ and demons were coming out and all kinds of things were happening... Even the sweatbands from Paul and the apron. People went, if I can just touch that, I'll be healed. Now, there was nothing magic in the apron or the sweatband. By the way, Paul didn't have a little stand. He didn't have an account on eBay selling my bands. You will see people today on so-called Christian TV, far from it, who will show you a little piece of cloth. And they'll say, I've touched this. I'm putting it in an envelope. I'll send it to you. You put that on the person that needs healed. You put that on that person that has a demon. And by the way, send $100 to me and I'll send it to you. Bogus, garbage, taking advantage of people. Turn the program off. Paul charged nothing. But notice, this was extraordinary. It wasn't the sweatband. It was people just having their faith stretched. They knew Paul was so powerful through God that anything on him, they go, if I, if I can just touch that, I'm going to be healed. So their faith had, was, was activated. Do we ever see that in the Bible anywhere else? Well, one time we remember people tried to get in the shadow. Here's my shadow. People tried to get in the shadow of Peter. And if they got in the shadow of Peter, they believed they'd be what? Healed. It was just extraordinary. Jesus one day. He was walking and there was just masses of people around Jesus. And Jesus did this. Somebody touched me, he said to his disciples. <laughs> and his di- disciples go, 
uh, yeah, there's a thousand people around here. And he said, no, 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 no. Virtue has gone out of me. And they looked, and it was a lady who had been filled with a blood disease for years. And she had this in her mind. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She did. She was. And Jesus said to her, my garment's special. No. Here's what he said to her. Your faith has made you whole. It wasn't the garment. It was her faith in the power of Jesus. So this is special. This is extraordinary. Good things are happening. All kinds of things are happening. But here's a statement you need to understand. When God begins to change lives, Satan is not far behind. Look at verse 13. Now some Jews, not believers, who went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were, notice, demon-possessed. And they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. As they watched Paul and the supernatural, the Jewish exorcists, who were not real, they, they were definitely operating in the supernatural, but evil supernatural. They decided, hey, this guy Paul is powerful. What made him powerful? And they discover it's the name of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus. So they add that to their little statement. They're going to add Jesus to their formula. Notice. And they say to them, in the name of Jesus. But the problem is this. They didn't understand that Paul's power to heal and drive out demons didn't come from this magic formula name. But it came from Paul who personally knew Jesus Christ. See, Paul was operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was really under the influence of the Spirit. Well, this became so popular. Verse 14 tells us seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. All seven sons got into the act. Verse 15, one day as they're trying to cast this evil spirit out of a person who was really demon possessed. Notice what it says. One day the evil spirit answered them. By the way, you don't want to hear evil spirits talking to you. One day the evil spirit answered them. He said this to them. Jesus, I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? In today's teaching, Pastor Mark reminded you that God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He expects you to be real. You learn that God has a plan for every person, not just current Christ followers, that he wants all people to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You found out that coming under God's influence is a lifelong process. No coasting allowed. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. 
All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching under his influence, really. You'll hear more about what being a real Christ follower means for your life. Pastor Mark will help you to understand the results of becoming real using the lives of the people in the early church as examples. You'll discover that it's possible for you to be used by God too. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Under His Influence. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving